Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Slutty scholars, have you bought your tickets yet to my live show, Afternoon Delight? They are running out, so don't delay. It's happening February 10th in Hollywood, California, but you can also purchase a recording to watch from anywhere in the world. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com for tickets. The link is also in the episode description. I am hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters who also happen to be past guests on this show. Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Mowali of Sexology podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining a great connection and satisfying sex, and we really want to share them with you. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate interactive conversations plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are amazing. We've got some great sponsors like Vegucated, Coupley, and Iroha. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your tickets for in-person delights or at-home viewing. That's adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket today. It's a perfect Valentine's or Galentine's event or gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure in their relationship or wants to. See you there. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And now you have heard their ads on this show. You have listened to their content. I am so honored to finally welcome Gina Gutierrez, co-founder of Dipsy. Uh, Gina is an empathy-driven entrepreneur with her sights set on reimagining and prioritizing female pleasure. And as the co-founder at Dipsy, which is a people-powered story studio that produces a wide range of erotic female-focused audio content, she's passionate about demonstrating why sexual wellness is essential and how storytelling and imagination are powerful tools that can help women unlock liberating connections with their bodies. Armed with a psychology degree from Duke and a desire to break the stigma that fantasy should be stifled, she's ready to help women everywhere tap into their sexual powers. And in case you haven't heard yet... Dipsy is an amazing audio app that is full of short, sexy audio stories that are designed by women. And don't forget, listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Welcome, Gina. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. That was a beautiful intro. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you. And we are so grateful. I know I already told you a million times, but Dipsy has been an awesome supporter of the podcast for a couple years now. So don't forget the more you support folks like Dipsy, the more you support the podcast. And I'm just grateful to have you as a, as a human as well, but also for a lot of my clients who have found um, Dipsy to be so helpful and supportive in our sex therapy work together. Um, So Dipsy as a brand itself is marketed as porn made by women for women or for femmes. What do you feel like? Is there really a gendered component to what we like, erotically speaking? From what That's a great question. I think there's like two parts of that description that are up for discussion. One is, is Dipsy porn? And one is, is Dipsy for women? And they're both worth talking about because these areas are complex and nuanced. Mm -hmm. And I think honestly, the best thing that I can say that makes us uniquely qualified to make this kind of content is we we take care of it. We really think about the nature and the nuance of the choices that we make because they matter so much. And the details really matter so much. And we didn't see anyone in the market contending with the nuance and the details that we thought would matter for our listeners. Things like proactive consent that didn't sound like it was forced or like written in a blog post and then digested. Mm, and Like making it fun and just a part of the flow. Exactly. Like it's possible to give consent and have it be sexy. It's possible to have it sound almost like dirty talk. Like, wow, this is yes. mind-blowing stuff. So those yeah, sorts tell of me, nuances. Tell me when you want me to put my fingers inside you. Exactly. Or like, you know, what does it mean to like say no as part of like a healthy dance in foreplay? Like, I actually don't want that, but I do want this. Like, these are the choices that matter to us. And we felt that traditional porn in many ways was underserving people. One of those things was the distinction between what positive sex is or what less positive sex is, is like really nuanced. And so we just wanted to be a space where people could come here and be like, well, it all feels good in here. And so mm-hmm. broader than um, we are for women, we are made by women. And I think by nature, women felt like that was not being uh, made for them. Like I had talked to so many women who had watched porn and liked it enough, but kind of felt like guilty every time they closed their computer. I've talked to so many people who had said like, I'm distracted by details in the scene, like this like dirty leather couch, which is is funny how many times people brought up the leather couch and how like distracting it was for them. Mm. I heard from people saying or like- squeaky are, bed. The squeaky, or squeaky bed, bed Like, me. where are these people? Are they okay? Is this someone like Airbnb in Miami? Like, like the details take you places, <laughs> yeah, right? Totally. And they can take you bad places. <laughs> um, and of course, like those bodies aren't my bodies and I don't feel excited about thinking of myself in that scene. I'm just watching as a voyeur. So Dipsy in many ways as an audio first app, let you insert yourself into the story in such a different way, regardless of how you identify, like you can be a part of that story. Most of our stories come from the perspective of um, someone in a female body, but we make it very clear what you're about to listen to. So you know that. So another thing that's very different about Dipsy as a platform is expectation setting is super, super clear. So you might click a video on some porn site and really not know what you're getting into. Mm. And Dipsy, you're like, this is a her plus her story. This story touches on infidelity. If that feels like a hot button topic that isn't sexy to me, totally get that. That's not the story for you, right? So those sorts of things are really, really thoughtfully done. Again, in this experience where ideally you can cruise around, do tons of exploring and find a lot that makes you feel safe and avoid the things that don't feel as good. So these are all sort of the ways that we see ourselves as, as different from what existed before. 
Yeah. And I mean, this, this brings me into, at least for myself personally, like what I'm always like looking for when I've looked more like finding more mainstream, like porn clips is I'm like, I have this idea of this storyline that I want and I'm looking and I'm looking and I can't find the storyline. So I either have to create it in my head, um, which is, you know, fantasy is important, or I'm like forcing it sort of onto this clip that like, doesn't really have that. And so kind of as, as I, Talk about that. Like, what have you seen and learned about the importance um, for your listeners on the brain and fantasy and imagination when it comes to to sex and pleasure and, and how that totally. has enhanced it? So another reason that we don't use the word porn to self-describe is because the way that we see it, and we've, you know, borrowed language from like amazing feminist thinkers like Audre Lorde, where for in pornography, it's more about sensation. It's more about like a graphic, like, wow. And it's Mm -hmm. less about like easing. It's less about story. It's less about immersion. And so for us, we identify (laughs) as a platform as erotica, because for us, it's much, it's as as much about the story and the setup and the context as it is about the sex itself. And actually the sex is much more enjoyable with that sort of context. So even if you're listening to content on our app, that is like a moan audio, which we also have, there are stories that are less storyful and more sexful, you know who those characters are. You could have explored a deep narrative arc with a character before they're moaning softly in your ear. And that sort of um, expansiveness of like who these people are is really exciting and and different here. Mm -hmm. So story is at the heart of everything that we do. Uh, We think it matters a lot. It went all the way back to the earliest days when my co-founder Faye and I were thinking like, what should this be? You know, we weren't looking at other people's blueprints. We were writing that ourselves. And there was a book called A Billion Wicked Thoughts um, that was written by two researchers who had taken AOL search data that was weirdly released in the early 2000s. And they surmised that AOL search data was going to be a better impression of what people actively search for erotically on the internet than what people self-report. It's old data, but it, it basically was an investigation of like what people actually want when they go on the internet. And they did find differences between the sexes in terms of what they searched for. There are, of course, like uh, generalizations in anything that you say. That's not true of everyone, but there were sweeping differences. And one of those differences was the desire for story. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I read this other really interesting article. I forget who the author is. I wish I could cite them that had this uh, conversation with a girlfriend. And the girlfriend was saying like, I really like to fantasize about this one actor. But now that I know that that actor is dating someone else, it's really hard to incorporate that person into my fantasies. Like, is she away? Does she consent to us having this like fun dalliance in my fantasy together? And like, that's how much people are interested in and curious about and imagine their own backstories as they construct these fantasy worlds. And mm-hmm. so, like, I think it matters immensely. And we found, you know, now doing this for six years, that it really does. Um, all that context is are things people are paying attention to. We're not just making those because we're makers having fun. Yeah. And and when I market it, I think I'm I'm less saying like, oh, well, women prefer this and men prefer this. And I know you talk about this too. Like I think for the folks who need story are the folks who have more of responsive desire. You know, yeah. the people who just need and want a little more of that. And I do think maybe research shows that that is mostly you know, the people who are more spontaneous or more testosterone driven. But I also think it's impacted by culture and society as well, right? Like I have so many um, assigned male at birth people in my office who do like and want the story, but they just haven't been given permission to have that. 
Um, And they think that they're just expected to be like, oh, yeah, tits bouncing. I love it. Sex is cool. And some of them are like that and have that sexual blueprint. But um, others, you know, are very impacted by things like stress and how the relationship is feeling and how things are going. But nobody's ever told them that was okay, So they don't explore this. I think you're hitting on something really interesting kind of culturally and societally, which is that the pendulum swings, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually think that more marginalized groups are often the like bulwark, like the the front of the charge and things changing. So for example, I think when queer people And then they don't get the credit. Well, let's try and fight for that. Let's make sure (laughs) they do. (laughs) Let's make sure they get the credit. So I think like when queer people were starting to, you know, come out of the closet in mass, it became more okay to be queer in public we started to question our definition of what sex is because mm-hmm. it's not P and V is sex only. If you're two women having sex, then you're basically not having sex ever and at all. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So we were questioning what sex even is. And I think that that was hugely important for sex for everyone between all bodies, between all beings. Mm-hmm. And I think for women who are more likely to experience responsive desire, who are more likely to, um, want story, et cetera, to say, Hey, like I, I want, I deserve more for my sex life and this is what I want. And then men get to say, Hey, that sounds really good. (laughs) I want that too. Or whoever you are, however you identify. So I don't think there's in any way, um, exclusivities here. We're not like drawing hard lines. We're saying that there are groups that weren't really being catered to who need more uh, representation inside the mainstream. And then they're pushing that mainstream to be larger. And so I think that Dipsy is part of that. Like it is really exciting for us to see you know, I'm literally using this word like capital D, like dudes in our app store reviews being like, I'm a red blooded man. And I really enjoy listening to these stories because it helps me understand how dirty talk might happen. Or wow, I didn't realize that I really like story as part of this, or I love this character. And like, hell yeah. Like, we're so happy you're here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like the sort of challenge to what is erotic content as well as a subset of like expanding the definition of sex. Because when you said it earlier, like what is porn, what is erotica? Like, to me, it's like anything that brings you pleasure, really, that you can access. Like chatting with you right now could be porn for me, right? Where I'm like, exactly. oh, I'm feeling excited by this conversation. And this is, ero- you know, not necessarily erotically, um, like arousing to to my senses to be able to like chat about this stuff. And it's, um, you know, exercising my brain, which is big sex organ for us. And, and that's exciting to me. So it could be I mean, it could really be anything, but I hear that maybe what you're highlighting and honing in on too is this sort of the ethics of it as well. Yeah, you're hitting on something so interesting that I think about and talk about all the time. And the world hungers for clear definitions, and mm-hmm. it actually forces clear definitions upon yeah, you. Yeah, so I know it example, when I see. It. I know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. So I know it when I see it is literally Apple, like the company Apple, is their policy on pornography that is like written into their legal documents around pornography. So that meant that for many years, Dipsy was like on really thin ice in being allowed to be on the app store. And so like, that's really interesting, right? Like because there aren't good definitions, people on the margins doing really good work might get screwed, get screwed over. And so clear definitions are helpful in those ways, but then they're really harmful in other ways. Like what you just said, us talking could be could be part of sex, right? Us talking could be part of flirtation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just sitting last night on the couch with a friend who is exploring her queerness. And she was saying like, yeah, like I, I want to feel like I'm starting the dance of sex in the beginning of the date. And so like mm-hmm. that, her, her mentality around sex is so much more expansive than I think traditional heteronormative sex. That's amazing. But I don't think we're going to be able to get everyone to believe 
right now us talking is sex because it's just too hard to comprehend. And so we have to constantly fight this battle of like, make people understand and feel safe and feel clear about what this is. And then also like, and just question the edges a little bit. And it's really hard to find that balance. And, you know, it starts to get theoretical and I'll, I'll stop myself there, but I think about this a lot. Yeah. I mean, I can tell it's how thoughtful all of this is and has been, you know, for you and the company. And I'm curious what kind of trends you're seeing. And, you know, I know what kind of content is on there and hopefully you listeners know because you've downloaded it already, but for folks who are maybe tuning in for the first time, um, Whenever I first have maybe brought up Dipsy to like um, folks who didn't know about it, clients, whatever, they kind of get this assumption in their head of like romance book with Fabio on the cover. Mm. And it's like the sort of cliche and like, hey, that can be hot too. Like, that's great. It's making a comeback with Sarah J. Mass and all this. It is making a comeback. It's true. <laughs> oh my God. The amount of clients of mine who have recommended A Court of Thorns and Roses, which I is know. like you know, current fairy romance novel is huge. Like clients of mine who were struggling with their sex and desire are now like masturbating all the time. I <laughs> and mean, they're like, you've got to read this. To my ears. <laughs> oh yeah, they're loving it. But um, without like shitting on the old school Fabio romance novels, how would you say that maybe audio erotica is is branching and expanding and showing like all the things that we could be interested in? Because yeah. I think there was this sort of typecast of like, oh, women only like this like romance, whatever. And like, that's true sometimes. Yeah. And what else is out there? Okay, so Dipsy has been around on the app store, like available to listen to for five years. And it is amazing how much has changed in five years. Like five mm-hmm. years ago, talking about romance was kind of embarrassing. And now romance is making this comeback and people are talking yes. about it in a much more interesting and um, enthusiastic way. And I think that net-net, that's really, really positive. But five years ago, my co-founder and I were like, okay, how can we make something that like uses some of the rules of romance? Because by the way, it drives the publishing industry and there are certainly women buying romance novels like that's for sure yeah but also like feels like it makes sense for people our age you know we were 27 when we started the company like i think the idea of like getting caught with a fabio covered novel in your bedstand would be really embarrassing five Mm -hmm. years ago and so okay like what does that look like and so partly that's creating a brand that feels like contemporary and cool and exciting and like speaks like me and speaks to me like i want to be spoken to and that's partly stories that hit this like idea of aspirational reality and that's what we really wanted to hit on it's like you're on the subway platform in Manhattan, you're about to catch the L, you look across the station and like you see a really, really hot person. They look at you, they look down, they look back at you and like that feeling, Mm -hmm. how can we capture that in a story? How can we capture the modern day? Will they, won't they? So Mm -hmm. what are the stories that feel like they, you want them to happen to you, but then also the person says everything that you want to hear, which is hard for someone to do on a first date or in a first hookup, right? Like it's hard to hear a hundred percent of what we want to hear. We want you on Dipsy to hear a hundred percent of what you want to hear in that fantasy story, even though it feels possible in your life. So that was kind of where we started five years ago. And then we had these really clear rules around ethics and around principles that we wanted all of our stories to contain too. So we were really thoughtful to not be super descriptive about bodies. Like Mm. you want to know what's happening in the story and audio, but you don't want to be so distracted by the description of someone's large breasts, right? Like what if you don't have large breasts? What if Mm -hmm. that's not you? Mm -hmm. We were thoughtful about that. We were thoughtful around um, consent, like we talked about. We were thoughtful about safe sex. So like, yeah. even if safe sex isn't um, maybe a prerequisite of how someone would have that IRL sex themselves. For example, this is like the 12th time these characters are having sex in these stories and they're monogamous. I don't know, whatever. Like, is that a different sort of sex, safe sex dynamic than a first date of someone that you meet on the subway? Like, yes, that is. And our story should reflect that. So these are some of the choices that we made to feel really different from romance. But now, you know, 
it's fun to, you know, take the humility of like, there are a lot of things in romance that are really powerful. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is taking fantasy in because it heightens a lot of the natural things that create flirtation or, um, you know, I can't have you. It's dangerous. These dynamics Mm -hmm. people really like. And so in the last year, we've experimented for the first time with stories that have supernatural elements. Like we had our first vampire story, uh, (laughs) Night School. We have our first um, Greek gods and goddesses series. We have a series called Forbidden Fruit, which is Hades and Persephone, which is one of the, you know, hottest, but also most dangerous and dark stories of all time. Like how do we upgrade that to be contemporary and to feel safe, but also take the elements people have loved for literally millennia, right? Um, Are you taking requests for fantasy? Yeah. What do you want? (laughs) The Labyrinth, David Bowie. (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. I mean, like that's on the list for sure. Like we hear that from people. Every kinky poly femme that I meet, including myself, is that was our sexual awakening because we're like, Daddy Bowie, Daddy Jareth, like the Goblin King is going to take me away. Um, I think it would be a hit. I, I mean, but I'm asking for selfish reasons. Please do good. it. Selfish reasons are highly encouraged here. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, those are some of the things that are new that I don't think we would have predicted five years ago we'd be dabbling in because it felt a little bit too like, is that in the Fabio world? And, and it's not. There are ways to tell these stories with cool modern upgrades and also just be like, wow, I like really want to be taken by the goddess of the, by the god of the underworld. You know, like that mm-hmm. has persisted <laughs> for a long time. The stories last because they rock. Yeah. I mean, how do you sort of pool your ideas um, of like what topics to cover? Well, TikTok and Instagram are like an absolute game changer for us because people are like constantly commenting of like what they love, what they don't like. Like we're constantly talking to people actively in DMs and comments, which is fun. We do surveys all the time too, where we're getting like... I'm glad TikTok is letting you TikTok. I know. China has not discovered that there's an American erotica company up in their algorithm yet. It seems. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> um, and those active conversations shift us a lot. But then it's mm-hmm. also just us being a creative team and talking about what we're excited by. And we have brainstorms that are more targeted sometimes, like, you know, what are sexy jobs? And like sexy jobs today aren't like, I'm a billionaire, like I'm wearing mm-hmm. a tie to work. Like sexy jobs today are like, I'm working with my hands. Um, I have a connection to the earth. Um, I help people. Like what are the versions of that? So things change so fast. Culture changed so fast. Like we have to be really reactive to it. Yeah. And you're really like featuring a, a whole team of diverse uh, audio folks. And you even you feature one of my favorite crushes, Luke Cook. So love, love his voice. Oh my God, I love that you love Luke Cook. Tell me. He's tell so me about funny. That. Like, oh, shout you out to you. So funny. Yeah, shout out to you, Luke, Luke Cook. Um, I just, you know, I love... I just love his persona too, just in, in life, you know, I follow his stuff and he talks a lot about health and family and he's just hilarious. Lots of comedy, but, um, loved his character in Sabrina as, um, Lucifer Morningstar. And that was, that was the one thing I was sad about when his Dipsy story dropped was I was like, I want more dark. Yeah. Yeah. I want the devil. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I really get that. I think one thing that we try and do when we partner with celebs is be like, what stories do you want to tell? Which and, is cool because then they're they're excited about it. Yeah, and they they really are co-producers. It's not like just by title. And he yeah. was like, "I want dads to be sexy. Like, I want people to feel like they can be dads and be sexy." And like, oh, what he is—he's hitting that mark. Yeah, he's hitting that mark. 
did any who said dads aren't sexy queens are sexy moms too no. I, who is telling luke cook that dads aren't sexy it's i know I, it's a, I can't i cannot fathom sorry you that not to yuck your yum but you have no taste if you're saying that <laughs> slutty scholars have you bought your tickets yet to my live show afternoon delight they are running out so don't delay it's happening february 10th in hollywood california but you can also purchase a recording to watch from anywhere in the world just go to a dlive.eventbrite.com for tickets. The link is also in the episode description. I am hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters who also happen to be past guests on this show. Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Mowali of Sexology podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining great connection and satisfying sex, and we really want to share them with you. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate interactive conversations plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are amazing. We've got some great sponsors like Beducated, Coupley, and Iroha. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your tickets for in-person delights or at-home viewing. That's a dlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket today. It's a perfect Valentine's or Galentine's event or gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure in their relationship or wants to. See you there. In the realm of kind of fantasies, um, when do you feel like you sort of connected first with the power of fantasy for you? Like, is there anything that stands out in your life of like, whoa, this really shifted the game for, for me. I wish I had an aha moment for you of like when fantasy kind of kicked into high gear in my life. It's not a singular moment, but I think I was, I don't know, lucky that this was always something that I was more in tune with. And a, a deep belief that we have at Dipsy is like, we are all hardwired to be erotic and sexual beings if we choose to explore those parts of ourselves. And you might choose you don't want to explore that part of yourself. That's totally fine. But like the answers are inside you. And for whatever reason, it was easier for me to find. I think that I remember early on um, when I was first exploring sex as a teenager, using my mind as I was having sex to just go different places and like fill the room with color or like be in a different setting. And yeah. I didn't know that that wasn't something that other people didn't do because I just wasn't talking about it with others. But that always was a part of what made sex rich for me. And then I was in college and talking to a really good friend who really liked this person, had sex with them the night before, came back almost in tears and was like, I just don't get it. Like, I really like this person. Like, why isn't sex good? It feels like bad. Like, I didn't, I didn't have fun. And I asked, what were you thinking about when you had sex? And she looked at me like deeply confused and was like, hmm, I, I really don't, I really don't know what I was thinking about. And I think if we actually like tune into it, um, we're all aware of our brains being active during sex, but often we're aware of our brains being kind of a downer. Yeah, too and, like, active thinking, and, and too taking active. us out of our body and right. how do I look? And Exactly. exactly. Like um, preoccupied by perception, um, wondering if we're good enough, kind of dissociating, going other places, wondering about our to-do list. Like there's so many things that our brain can do that isn't helpful. There are also so many things that our brain can do that are helpful. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like that was something that 
clicked into gear when I had that conversation with my like very smart, interesting, articulate, imaginative friend, you know, that this isn't necessarily something that people know automatically. And so really early on, you know, that was when I was like 19 or something, I was like, man, we're really not helping people out. We're like tying someone's, we're tying everyone's hand behind their backs and saying, fight this fight with one fist. And sex should be something that feels like you have all the tools you've got because there's all sorts of reasons why it can get complicated as our lives evolve. And so Mm. want to help people out. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts and feelings about people fantasizing about other stuff when they're with a partner? Um, yeah. And I think I, there's layers to this, right? Like, and I've heard different practitioners and therapists and researchers talk differently. There's like kind of an old school sex therapist named David Schnarch who wrote like Passionate Marriage. I know, great name. Uh, Passionate Marriage, I think was the name and a few other books. And I remember him talking about like bringing in fantasy, but it was like in order to make it connected, it was about sharing that fantasy with the partner mm-hmm. to bring them into mm-hmm. it. Um, and some people like to keep their fantasies as their fantasies. Um, but it also makes me think of, I don't know if you ever saw that episode of Black Mirror where there was like, there were like these glasses that people could put on or like a chip in their head or something where they were able to like see a video like through their eyes. And there was like this couple who had been together forever was, was not enjoying the sex together and they would both put on a different video while they were fucking each other. And so like they weren't, connected at all like each person could have been whoever but they were having their fantasy and I feel so mixed about it because like I want people to be able to connect and share and fantasy but also like sometimes it helps to bring in elements that are not the person you're with um totally what are your feelings about it I mean talk about another really gray nuanced area where I think like if I was to say definitively I have an answer here then I would already be at fault <laughs> you know um and I think that I gave a TED talk on this last year in 2022 I gave a TED talk called Sex and the Imagination and went on this big stage and talked about how I think that fantasy is a safe space for you to explore whatever you want to explore whether that's things that get you excited about things to try in your own IRL life or things that you really want to just be personal and is a play space for you to go outside the zone that you are living every day. Yeah. And yeah, I can't remember I if that- it was author Jack Marin or Brett Carr, but I remember this quote from my master's program that fantasy is the original theater of the mind. And I really liked that. Beautiful. And it's it's something that you have full ownership over. And I think that that's uniquely powerful. There's a mm-hmm. difference between what we think and what we do. And yeah. as a culture, we judge people on their behaviors. More and more, we judge people on what they say, which is a whole different topic. But I think we should judge people based on their behaviors. And so fantasizing about being with someone else versus actually being with someone else, those are different things. But it was interesting in the TED Talk um, editing process, they're really hands-on. They're reading everything that you write and they're helping you kind of make it short and tight and and they're really great at it. And the CEO of TED listened to what I had to say and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we're going to tell people to fantasize about whatever they want, even if they're married. It's like a 65-year-old guy. And I was like, yeah, like you have talks up there talking about like genetically modifying animals. Like... Like, why is this the thing that's so threatening to you? Like, why is this the thing we can't say on stage? Because I think Mm. people find it really destabilizing that Mm -hmm. fantasy could be this on-ramp, the slippery slope into breaking monogamous relationships and like breaking out the family unit. And there's a lot of like deep-rooted fears that we have around like what fantasy is the first step for. 
Well, yeah, I think you nailed it when it said like that it has to, that it's connected to behavior and it doesn't always have to lead to behavior and and then just people's insecurities that it means they're not enough. And like newsflash, you're not (laughs) because you're one person and yes, you are enough, but you're also not. That's a new thought that you just put in my head, which is, you know, I think the stress of being in a monogamous relationship, nuclear family unit, and like that's the person that solves everything in your life, regardless of sex, is like a recipe to over expect what someone mm-hmm. can bring into your life. If you're asking that one person to make you laugh every day and mm-hmm. do every chore perfectly every day and, and fuck you perfectly your children and fuck you perfectly, like best of luck. Like that's a that's a tall order. Yeah. Like if somebody um, posted that job description on Indeed and the, the payment <laughs> totally. was very low also, like I don't think anyone pass. would apply. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. Right. And so that's what you just put in my mind, which is that's a really tall order. And so, yeah, like to have moments where you use your own mind to bring in new inspiration or to like excite yourself. Yeah. Like, I think you're totally entitled. I highly encourage you to do that. Can you take that energy, even if it's not that fantasy and replug it back into your partner's sex? Yes. Like my, my partner and I are monogamous, but we have this philosophy in our relationship where we go out into the world and we call it co-flirting which is like flirting for him and flirting for me are part of the ecosystem of us because flirtation is just chemical energy exchange. You can flirt with the person crossing on the pedestrian walk while you're in the car. You're just giving them a smile. Like to us, that's flirtation. We talked about earlier, like is sex just talking before the mm-hmm. sex actually happens? Like for us, flirtation could happen anywhere between people. Yeah. And there are moments where I watch him like really hitting it off with someone and feel excited to watch him be this best self and to watch him feel such energetic exchange. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to me, you know, at the end of the party or whatever later. And he's rechoosing me, which is, I think, another nice thing. It's like this idea that we're not bound to each other because we have no other options. We're bound to each other because we choose each other. Mm-hmm. And he's infused with the energy of feeling like he's hot. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's like amazing for us too. Yeah. And so that works for us. That might not work for other people. We're all going to choose our own, our own jollies. But it is emblematic, I think, of like, even if you're not like, hey, I have this specific fantasy and it's about these two people and they do this and then we do this. And like, I'd love to act that out with you. Or I'd love you to know that. If that works for you, hell yeah, do it. But if it's more like, I thought about this thing, I had like amazing self-pleasure in the shower and I come back to bed with you later in the morning and we have great sex in a different way. That also seems like a win to me. Mm. Yeah. I had a client call what you're describing with your partner as creative monogamy. Have you heard that mm. term before? No, I love it. Tell me more. I really How do I see it? I really liked it too. I, I don't know exactly, but I think they were describing it as like maybe what some would consider like on the spectrum of monogamish, but not necessarily like with other people. But the idea of like challenging this stereotypical definition of monogamy to have to mean like we don't ever fantasize about other people. Right. So mm-hmm. kind of infusing it with like with newness, with creativity, with new energy, with um you know, the idea that there's other desires and fantasies and platforms that you can, that you can be creative with. Um, I think it's also like being creative in how you define monogamy. Um, that, that's how I kind of heard it, but I, I, I like it. It's interesting. I hear that. And I think like, if you can be, if you can create smart containers with your partner or partners about what feels in bounds, and then you get to use those containers to feel free to play. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea to me. Um, we already experience enough guilt and shame in our lives. Like to feel guilt and shame about something that you're not sure is like truly articulated or clear, then like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it sounds like a conversation should be had about that. Um, 
But I also just don't know if I feel good saying, even if you're not identifying as a creative monogamous person, or even if you're not like deciding, uh, you know, pre-decided that you're in a co-flirt or whatever you call it. And you're just having a fantasy about, I don't know, Hades and the underworld. Like, Sounds like this one's your favorite story. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's a good one. (laughs) Cannot (laughs) lie. Um, Then I think that's great. And, you know, you're hearing from the founder of an erotic audio app. So take that how you will take that. Um, That's just my personal philosophy. Yeah. Thinking back to the like, is it quote unquote wrong to fantasize, you know, with partner, like I would never say that. Um, And I don't know if I know what the line is either. Like, I think when it borders on like, I really don't want to be with this person. I really don't feel comfortable with this person. And I like have to dissociate and think about something else to like get through it. Um, That may be where it's like feeling disconnected in a way that afterwards it maybe feels icky. Um, And I think it's okay to, like you said, bring in that fantasy element that may or may not be about your partner. And ideally, you can sort of bring that energy to get more present in your body with that person. But I'm not sure if I have like a black and white thing of when it's when it's disconnecting and can feel harmful to you or the relationship. I guess that's dependent on the relationship. Um, Because some people might be okay with that, you know, and the black mirror approach of like, you know what, we're just not that into each other anymore, but we still know that sex together is important. So we do what we can. Um, I don't know. I think it's a, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear, I'll have to post something about this. So I'd love to hear from the listeners about this because I think it's such a, such an interesting topic. I wish I'd seen the episode to like know how, like how, what it felt like. Oh, you should watch it. What it comes down to is like what it feels like. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think a lot about how the reason that Dipsy as a company excites me is that we are helping people to feel more alive. Mm-hmm. And there's many avenues in which one can feel more alive. Like if you are a yoga teacher, you're out there making people feel more alive. If you are mm-hmm. a motivational coach, you're out there making people feel there's so many paths to that. Yeah. This is one way that I felt the world really needed. And um I I think it's I think it's interesting to think that um we don't think about sex enough as something that like supports and buoys the rest of our lives. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think a lot about pleasure and like what pleasure is capital P, not just sex pleasure and how disconnected we are from the sensation of what that is. And Audrey Lord talks a lot about this. Like, how can we use yeah. what feels good to us as like a, a code of ethics for ourselves? Like it's actually a signal of moral good for ourselves. If something feels good in our bodies, meaning there's a friend that you have a dinner with and you leave in the car and you're like, wow, that was enlivening and invigorating. And I feel so fucking good. My listeners know I call it soul boner. Hell yeah. So exactly. So like you come away with a soul boner and then you also might have a friend who you love, respect, cherish, have been in your life for a long time. And you leave in that car at home and you don't feel that way. Mm. And on paper, those two look like the same thing. You had dinner with a friend, like you did a good thing for yourself, but they felt different. Mm -hmm. And so it's worth investigating both why that felt different, but also just the fact that it existed, that it felt different Mm -hmm. and that there's like things that can guide you towards feeling more good or things that can guide you towards feeling more bad. And just getting in tune with those things at a non-sexual level, like a dinner with a friend helps, I think us to be more able to say, Hey, this, you know, type of sex with my partner feels more good or more bad. This more dissociated experience I'm currently having with my partner is okay. Or it's not okay based on my understanding at a higher level of like what good is in my life. Yeah. 
Um, this is an active investigation for me. I don't think you're ever, ever, ever done with this investigation, but I do think a lot more about what feels good to me. And I think I am more in tune with that in the last couple of years than I ever have been in my life mm. um, to help us navigate the waters of like, what's okay and what's not okay for us. We need to have some sort of a benchmark for ourselves. Any other things that you're finding, because I too, you know, firmly believe in the the power of of pleasure and obviously sexual health is health, but just pleasure as a, um, a human right and a necessity, you know, for our survival. And before we started this um, recording, we were talking a bit about folks who are like, fine not having sex because maybe they haven't been having it in a while and so they're sort of like kind of like you were saying like I haven't had this in a while do I need it and this is not not counting folks who feel more on the asexual or gray sexual spectrum who are like feel like they're really making an informed choice about it but more people who like slid into it of just like oh it's not happening for so long and they kind of forget that it's something that could be great and useful I'm not saying we should try to convince those people to like come back to the (laughs) To the pleasure side, but like, what are you seeing in terms of how this play with pleasure and, you know, things like Dipsy can help people in their life and to remind people that this is important to come back to? Yeah. I think that there is a lot of muscle memory to pleasure. And when it's not as recent in your life, you forget that you care about it um, as much. Yeah. And then a lot of people think they just have low libido or aren't interested in sex. Totally. And then we're so quick to also like pathologize it, like something's broken or something's gone wrong. Um, right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't go to a workout class for months in a row and I'm like, okay, like my body doesn't like feel actively unhealthy. I don't feel bad. And so like, why do I even need that workout class? Mm-hmm. And then you go back again and maybe it hurts the first time and you go back one more time and you're like, oh my God, like, of course I need to do this. Cause you have a fresher mm-hmm. muscle memory of what it can feel like to feel better than your stasis. And I definitely think that sex and pleasure are like that. And, you know, we hear from users all the time about the ways that something like Dipsy helps them to feel more ignited. And so we we say this all the time, this idea that um, desire isn't this problem to be solved in our lives. It's this fire to be stoked. Mm-hmm. We had a listener tell us that listening to Dipsy is like keeping her pilot light on. So it's just mm-hmm. easier to turn on the stove. Totally. Which I love. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. And it it helps to Think about the idea of like just tapping into your pleasure and the eroticism of a story could be when you're masturbating or could be just because you're listening because it keeps your pilot light on. Like there's different ways to listen. Um, And it helps people imagine with more freshness how they could sound in the bedroom, how they could sound on a date. And it feels less scary to get out there. Um, You know, I was talking to a young, there were 19 Pratt student, like an art student in Brooklyn. And they were saying they were really terrified to go on dates after the pandemic because they just didn't want to embarrass themselves. They didn't want to feel like they were inexperienced or kind of gave their hand away. And so listening to Dipsy for them was a reminder that like this, this could be them too. There's a version of these stories that they can put themselves in and and feel great. And that sounds like them. And then getting back out there is, is easier. Um, And so those are the things that I love hearing. It's like, not only are we helping you create, um, what is the word called? Mental castles. Uh, that's wrong. Like uh, imagination palaces. There we go. Not only are helping create imagination palaces for you, we're helping you figure out what's happening in your real life and how it could be better and richer and realer and more of a soul boner every day. Right. Yeah. And I, 
I've sort of gotten in the habit of like listening to erotica in the car, like when I'm driving and I just like, (laughs) (laughs) there's been a few times where I'm like, do I need to pull over and masturbate in this? uh..." (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I can get in trouble for that. Um, But oftentimes I would say it like gives me this like energy. Um, And to me, like energy is energy, no matter where you're like getting it from. And sexual energy is is very powerful. And so when I sort of show up to places and in my life with I'm all like juiced up. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like arriving with this like this energy that's that I can use for anything, you know, that I can sort of alchemize and transmute. Yeah, I think people notice and but I I feel it, you know, and I can kind of alchemize that energy into whatever. I need to for that day. And yes, yeah. of course, every now and then I'm like, okay, I'm like too juiced up. I need to go figure this out. Down. Um, but like, you know, it's uh it's fun. Yeah. I love as that. As long as you can drive safely. Drive car. safely, yeah. everyone. Please, everyone, please drive safely. Um, yeah, a lot of people listen to the car. I could never do that. Like I think I'm really? like so hypersensitive that like I would just be I would be like flat on my back, like, oh my God, paralyzed by pleasure in the car. Like I probably couldn't do that, but I love people do. People listen like in libraries, people listen in like all people listen grocery shopping. Like I, I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, but you never know what someone just, if you see someone with AirPods on, they might be listening to smut. It's true. The Dipsy TikTok right now is like this really funny plays on the trope of like someone stops you on the street they're like, what's in your headphones? Can you, and they take their headphone out and they're like, what are you listening to? And it's like, uh, a Mon audio. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I am not listening to Cautious Clay. I'm listening to a Mon audio. And I will admit that to you now on this TikTok. Well, and it's um, more normalized too with the physical books. I know you were talking about people being embarrassed of like the Fabio cover, but like I see people reading A Court of Thorns and Roses yeah. everywhere. And like, if you know, you know. And so, you know, I, I make, trying to make eye contact with those people when they're reading and we're just like, <laughs> I know you know that I know when you're reading like okay. and it's uh it's like a cool way to connect because it's sort of like whoa I'm an erotic person and you're an erotic person and like I see you yes definitely mm-hmm. and I want more people to believe that they are an erotic person you know yeah. like that's so powerful that you see yourself that way and I I wish way more people that than do saw themselves that way because I think partly it's just like being in your own power and feeling like you have that juicy energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you believe it, I think it's more likely to be true, you know? Well, that is our that is our shared goal. Yeah, yeah. Slutty scholars, have you bought your tickets yet to my live show, Afternoon Delight? They are running out, so don't delay. It's happening February 10th in Hollywood, California, but you can also purchase a recording to watch from anywhere in the world. Just go to a dlive.eventbrite.com for tickets. The link is also in the episode description. I am hosting this event alongside some of the country's top sexologists and podcasters who also happen to be past guests on this show. Dr. Tara of the Love Bites podcast, Dr. Nazanin Mowali of Sexology podcast, and August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio. Between the four of us, we have the tools for having and maintaining great connection and satisfying sex, and we really want to share them with you. Afternoon Delight will feature intimate interactive conversations plus audience Q&A, all designed to help you bring more sizzle, realness, and fun to your sex life. And the swag bags are amazing. We've got some great sponsors like Beducated, Coupley, and Eroha. Just go to adlive.eventbrite.com to grab your tickets for in-person delights or at-home viewing. That's a 
dlive.eventbrite.com to grab your ticket today. It's a perfect Valentine's or Galentine's event or gift for anyone who prioritizes pleasure in their relationship or wants to. See you there. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um, if someone is new to the app, I know you probably love all the stories because yeah. you have been thoughtful and curated them. And is there one that's standing out to you or your team right now that you might invite people to start with um, so they can Definitely. use that SNS code for 30-day extended discount? Definitely. So if you want to start with some Dipsy classics, so like the true aspirational reality that we talked about on the show... Um, and you are interested in a herpless hymn story, I would listen to Hometown, which is like an amazing um, kind of rediscover your high school crush story, like really nostalgic and will they, won't they, really sexy. Jack and Gia have incredible chemistry. It's like a true reminder that two actors and two studios across the country from each other can sound like they are deeply in love. Um, so it's a great story. Familiar face is a her plus her similar variant on that, which is like, there's someone in my life that becomes new and fresh to me. And the hunk in that story, Caitlin has an amazing Irish accent. Um, oh God, so the accents. That. That's why, that's why Luke Cook, it's the accents for me. I know. I know. And so if you want a her plus him story, that's Irish. The local is the classic. Killian is like the most probably the most beloved character on the app right now. But then some of the new stuff is really fun too. So like Goddess of the Hunt is a sapphic uh, gods and goddesses stories. Gods and goddess story. Um, Forbidden Fruit is the Hades and Persephone story I mentioned. And then we have these new tracks that are kind of an experiment for us where there are all these creators on TikTok who have these deeply sexy voices. And we were like, what if we invited some of those people to make content for us? And so there is a TikTok creator, Amanda, who is just like blowing up our app right now. Um, they're like intimate, short, little vignettes. They're almost like um, girlfriendy vibe. Uh, very interesting, like new content phrase for us. So check that out uh, if you want to just really see what's new on the app. Oh my gosh, you should have a branch of all of the podcast hosts reading erotica that you guys advertise on oh my god why don't we do that you um, this is a this is a, i'm saying this for plug. me because i'm like i want to read <laughs> yeah you're like air quoting stories. like all of the podcast hosts yeah. all of the podcast hosts nicoletta <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like i think people like my voice they listen to the podcast so you have a great voice thank you i can speak thank, as an expert thank you <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, well, how can people um, follow what you're doing, get in touch, you know, connect with Dipsy? Yeah. So if you want to follow us on TikTok and on Instagram, it's the same handle. It's Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A stories in both those places or head to dipsystories.com and like learn about what we are. But honestly, just download the app, 30 days free, explore the stories. You won't really know if it's for you until you really dive in and check it out. Yeah, don't forget y'all dipsystories.com slash S and S. You can get that extended 30-day free trial um, of this amazing app. Gina, thank you so much for joining. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review and check out these advertiser discounts. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. 
It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.